Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. Listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Dominic Cummings launches an extraordinary attack on Boris Johnson's competence and integrity, and as a result, Michael Gove is now in need of a new ministerial desk after punching a hole through his with a sudden erection. Joe Biden pledges that the US will curb emissions by up to 52% as part of an ambitious plan to combat climate change. Unfortunately, it's a promise that does nothing to cut the amount of worthless hot air produced by politicians who fail to deliver on their climate targets. The government scrapped plans to host White House-style press briefings in its new £2.6 million press room, realising instead that the distraction of wasting a shitload of taxpayer cash is far better value for money than inviting in some actual journalistic scrutiny. And finally, Russia are to pull back their troops from the border with Ukraine, and as an apology for their hostility, will leave behind a giant wooden horse as a present. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. We're the only network serving up the freshest stories from across the multiverse, so strip down to your speedos and lather your freshly shaven body in goose fat as we prepare to swim the channel of news together. It's going to be a hard, salty slog, but we'll help you bat away the seagull carcasses of misinformation before we make landfall on Truth Island. Speaking of truth, it's been a pretty embarrassing week for Boris Johnson, as former colleagues of his stepped forward to speak theirs. First, Veterans Minister and former believer in Conservative unicorns Johnny Mercer tried to resign, and was instead sacked after his plans to quit were leaked. He then labelled Boris Johnson's government as the most distrustful and awful environment he'd ever worked in. Dominic Cummings followed that broadside up with one of his own, clapping back accusations that he'd leaked the Prime Minister's texts to James Dyson by attacking Johnson's competency and integrity. This was all compounded by a week in which the lobbying scandal has continued to snowball, into the sort of giant powdery mass that's too big for even Michael Gove to hoover off his desk. Keir Starmer used his time at Prime Minister's Questions this week to try and pin the accusation of Slees firmly on Boris Johnson's lapel, but is it a tactic that's likely to work for the opposition? Here's Alison June-Smith with more. Slees. It's a dirty word. Powerful and toxic enough to bring down governments. Or at least, it used to be. I'm old enough to remember when just the whiff of an affair was enough to end a politician's career. These days, you have to get caught on camera beating a cancer nurse to death with a bag full of disabled puppies before the Tories will even think of taking the whip away from you. It's not like Boris Johnson has forgotten how to do it either. It was a handy tactic for purging the party of those pesky moderates back when he first got a seat at the head of the table. 
But now all the PM has got left is his hand-picked gang of Brexit ultras and drooling fanboys. And there's not an ethics breach in the book drastic enough to make him cut any of them loose. For accusations of sleaze to bring down a government, that government has to be capable of feeling shame. You just can't embarrass a boy with the nerve to hold full eye contact and finish when his mom walks in on him wanking. And make no mistake, this government have been looking us in the eye the whole time. But the sack they've been milking is the public purse. Dodgy deals and lucrative contracts for old business and school buddies have been a hallmark of this government's pandemic response. David Cameron's desperate attempts to leverage his political contacts for Greensill Capital's gain might make him a convenient scapegoat, but that slippery little pig fucker is likely to be the very dick tip of the iceberg. One in five of the government's COVID contracts awarded between February and November last year raised red flags for possible corruption. That's according to Transparency International UK. And the claim that all COVID contracts have been properly disclosed, a claim made repeatedly by Johnson in Parliament, is just straight up bullshit. The Good Law Project have repeatedly forced the government's hand when it comes to disclosing the details of contracts they've awarded. And they've revealed billions of public spending that's unaccounted for in those disclosures. There is a lot that's yet to come to light. And if I were a betting girl, well, <laughs> I'd probably have met Matt Hancock at the races and have millions of pounds in my pocket by now. The glory of the UK's successful vaccine rollout is washing away all of the government's sins. Their disastrous early response to COVID-19, complete with its tens of thousands of completely preventable deaths, has all but been forgotten. Boris Johnson has rebranded himself as the hero who moved heaven and earth to source ventilators from James Dyson. It's a claim that just doesn't add up. When you consider that existing suppliers contacted the government offering their support and got no reply. Oh, and as for Dyson himself, if you need to negotiate a dodgy backdoor tax cut before you'll come run into the aid of the country you abandon after Brexit, you're not a national hero. Take a seat, buddy. Anyone who pays 250 quid for a fan is a stupid asshole. If that's how much you charge for just moving a bit of air around, thank fuck you never actually got to build the NHS for ventilators. Labor and Keir Starmer are clearly hoping to center the accusations of party-wide conservative sleaze firmly on Boris Johnson himself. And in any other age, with any other prime minister, it's a tactic that probably would be effective. But this is 2021. And Britain here on Earth Prime seems to have firmly accepted corruption as a feature of Boris Johnson's government rather than a bug. Johnson's whole appeal is that he's an impish rogue who cuts corners, cheats on women, and doesn't really give a fuck. Tens of thousands dead and billions of pounds wasted, and they're somehow punchlines to his clown act rather than tragedies that condemn him. How do you pin sleaze on a man like that? At this point, Boris Johnson has so little integrity that he has no surface tension left to pierce in the first place. All Labour can hope to do is keep howling into the void and hoping this somehow sticks. Sleaze is a political shorthand 
a word you can throw around in Parliament without fear of admonishment from the Speaker. What we're actually talking about here is corruption. And if you want to see just how badly corruption in the relationship between politics and big business can pan out, all you need to do is look here. This is Earth Bravo Echo Patented Cylinder Technology 42. Here, James Dyson did sell thousands of ventilators to the NHS. They're the world's first bagless cyclonic ventilators. And boy, do they really suck. Which, by the way, is not actually something a ventilator is supposed to do. I'm Allison June Smith, reporting for IC News. While the Prime Minister has yet again spent the week playing whack-a-mole with a series of erupting controversies, over in the States it's been a week of deep breaths and relieving news for President Biden. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty of second-degree murder over last year's death in custody of George Floyd. In response, the president was so optimistic that America would no longer be righteously burned to the ground that he instantly pledged to cut the country's carbon emissions. The relief over Chauvin's conviction hasn't stopped some Republicans and right-wing cable news personalities from trying to turn him into a martyr, however – and Congresswoman Maxine Waters found herself targeted for censure by the GOP before the verdict was announced after telling black America to get more confrontational, with Republicans deciding they suddenly did care about politicians inciting violence after all. Joining us in the studio now to discuss what Chauvin's conviction means for America moving forwards is Che Burnley. Hi Sam, thanks for having me. But before we begin, I think it's important to say that... (coughs) What the fuck are you doing? Sorry, are we not celebrating? We're talking about a murder conviction, Sam. Not a toddler's birthday party. What's wrong with you? I don't know. As a white person, sometimes it's just really hard to know how to be supportive. Oh, well, you should have said, mate. I didn't realise you were trying to support me. I get that it's hard. I can do you the easy black person checklist if you like. Really? Because that'd be amazing. If you want to show us your support, loud noises and explosions generally aren't the way to do it. We are easily startled. Okay, I'll make a note of that. We also don't like hoovers. We don't trust them. Right. And if you're going to be leaving us home alone a lot, it's nice to leave us with a view of the garden so we can distract ourselves with some squirrel chasing. You're doing dogs, aren't you? Yes, Sam. I'm doing dogs. For fuck's sake, please, just stop trying so hard. just just be quiet and let this be a moment without taking up all the oxygen in the room. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Thing is, it is a podcast. I was speaking figuratively, you fucking idiot. Right, 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 right. Okay, well now I just legitimately don't know what to say. <sighs> Let's just start with the basics, shall we? This verdict was an important first step, but that's about it. And it's important to remember that. Chauvin's conviction is undoubtedly an absolutely pivotal moment for the relationship between policing and the black community in the States. But without significant reform and policy change, one desperately needed conviction is not a cure-all for systemic racism. Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck for 9 minutes and 29 seconds, in full view of pleading witnesses and on camera, and he refused to stop until Floyd was dead. 
It was murder, plain and simple, and anyone who viewed that awful footage has always known it. But the black community in the States still feared the worst judicial outcome, and police killings are still happening with far too much regularity. That fear and the complete distrust in the system that stems from it isn't going away anytime soon. You don't buy the right-wing talking point that the jurors convicted Chauvin out of fear for the consequences of acquitting him, then? No, I don't. And before we even ask that question, there's one that we should be asking first. Who got the fairer trial here? Chauvin or Floyd? Because the answer to that question is the one that really matters. Tucker Carlson might be reacting like this is the first time public anger has ever potentially impacted the result of a trial, but those of us with a bit more intellectual honesty can still remember cases like the Central Park Five. You you know the one where the suspects were actually innocent and not caught on camera smirking as they flat out murdered someone? If Chauvin wants to learn about unjust convictions, he can ask around in prison. It shouldn't be hard to find some innocent black people he can talk to. That's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Not according to the 2017 study that found that black people in the US are far more likely than their white counterparts to be unjustly convicted of murders and sex crimes that they were completely innocent of, Sam. And if Chauvin wants to talk to any of them, he'll have plenty of time to. Because the same study found that on average, black men falsely convicted of murder spent three years more in prison than innocent whites before having their convictions overturned. Well, that almost sounds like the American prison system is systemically racist. No. Really? And what about Maxine Waters' comments and the possibility of them being used by Chauvin on appeal? Oh, I've no doubt that any appeal Chauvin makes is going to be an absolute shit show, and Congresswoman Waters' words probably weren't the wisest. But let's not fuck about here. The equivalence being drawn between her and Trump is a false one. There's a world of difference between what she said and his words before the Capitol riot. Calling for confrontational protests against the failure to convict the brazen state-sponsored murder of a black man is one thing. Ordering your conspiracy-loving idiot mates to fight or you won't have a country anymore, all because you were too shit a racist to win a free and fair election, even in America, is quite another. So where do the states go from here? If there's any justice, towards genuine police reform and true accountability for excessive force. And towards a complete rejection of the sort of systemic GOP racism currently seeking to disenfranchise millions of black people in the states like Georgia. And if there's no justice? Well then Chauvin's conviction will be overturned on appeal, and the Republican Party and right-wing media will continue plummeting down the white supremacist rabbit hole of outright racism. But it'll be okay, because they'll convince enough voters that it's all in the name of anti-wokeism, whatever the fuck that means. Well, that's depressing. Let's just hope it somehow doesn't come to that. Jay, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Can I take some of these party blowers, by the way? Um, Yeah, sure. Can I ask why? Oh, me and a few mates are having a bit of a party and a barbecue later, celebrating the verdict, that's all. Oh, that sounds nice. Can I come? (laughs) Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. See you later, mate. (laughs) Rude. Our last story is one you may have missed, if you blink to any point at the start of the week. Sunday night saw the announcement that six Premier League clubs would be joining the newly formed European Super League, but the backlash from fans was so immense that they quickly pulled out faster than a Catholic father of eight. It was a bizarre few days of sporting and political spectacle, with even Boris Johnson announcing he would somehow intervene to stop the league's formation, as if the unbridled excesses of free market capitalism were somehow suddenly distasteful to him. Here to explain how it all went so very wrong, and to lament the passing of a wonderful opportunity, it's everyday average woman with a heart of gold, Jade Fernley. (laughs) 
everybody, I'm Jade Fernley, proud Yorkshire lass and lover of the beautiful game. <laughs> There's no more salt of the earth than great British football. <sighs> the roar of the stands, the seething testosterone, the hot pie at half time, even drinking piss-weak, overpriced beer out of a plastic cup in a crowded concourse with no view of the pitch. I love everything about it. I want more of it, all the time. Which is why I were bitterly disappointed to see the plans for the European Super League come apart at the seams. Where do you want this one, love? Take it through to the living room, please, with the rest of them, love. And if you scrape me wallpaper, I'll have your fucking nuts. Okay, right you are. So be careful. Sorry about that, everybody. I'm just having some, um, uh, shopping delivered. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yes, that's right. It were an unpleasant display this week. All that greed. All that shameless rhetoric from people exploiting the game for their own ends. The miserly, selfish fans, if you can even call them that, trying to hoard all the football for themselves. They rose up just to scupper the bold and ambitious plans of the few billionaire owners who were brave enough to try and preserve the future of the beautiful game. A future with meaningless competition where the best clubs and Tottenham were always guaranteed a seat at the top. Now we'll never see it. For shame. Careful with that one, lads. Pivot, pivot. I mean, just imagine how beautiful it could have been. A replacement for the Champions League, featuring only the richest clubs, forever bringing home the big bucks and never filtering it down. A league dedicated entirely to watching Arsenal and Spurs get pounded every week until they're ground into a powder fine enough to huff off the boardroom table. And each and every year at that, a league with no borders and also no stakes, no consequences and literally no reason for it to exist beyond producing revenue for its backers. It were to be privately owned, financed by faceless oligarchs with zero regard for the fan on the ground. It were a capitalist's wet dream, and for some fucking reason, this country weren't having it. Which is remarkable, given that the simpletons have gladly clapped and cheered as the exact same sort of bastards privatised everything else in the last few decades. To the left a bit with that one, mate. There's not enough space to get around it on the patio. As a successful independent businesswoman, I've got to say, I think this sort of mob rule is absolutely appalling. It's pure wealth envy. I mean... Just think for a second, if we decide that billionaires don't have the moral compass to run football clubs, I mean, what's next? You'll be telling me next that they're not fit to run the media or our health services. And that's just Marxist lunacy. It's child fantasy about business and money corrupting everything it touches when nothing could be further from the truth. You heard Roman Abramovich this week. He didn't get into football to make money. He got into football to launder it. 
There we are, Miss Fernley. We are done. 165-inch Ultra HD plasma television, a full range of super king-size Yankee candles, a super deluxe top-end corner sofa, and one extra-large jacuzzi function hot tub with integrated filter system. Oh, um, <laughs> I think you mean a pack of mints and a few groceries, actually. <laughs> Don't you love, you know, from Aldi? Nope, says right here on the delivery note. Thanks very much for trying to smooth over this colossal fuck-up for us. Love the Glazers. Sign here, please. Alright. <laughs> unbelievable. You know, sometimes, love, discretion is the better part of valour. Nothing valiant about it, love. Fuck the Glazers and fuck the rest of the club owners too. Personally, I'm looking forward to getting back to the good old days when money in football didn't corrupt everything it touched, when people were more important than profit. Oh, well, how fucking lovely of you to say so. Gonna watch the Qatar World Cup next year, are you? Of course I am. Can't bloody wait. You have a lovely day now. And you. (laughs) You brain-dead dipshit. I'm Jade Fernley, and if you don't mind, I've got a brand new hot tub to enjoy. Reporting for IC News. Jade's obvious willingness to accept financial backhanders doesn't just mark the start of her career as a Conservative minister. It also marks the end of our broadcast – We'll be back again next week, but for now, we leave you, as always, with the headlines you may have missed. Judges quash the convictions of 39 former postmasters falsely accused of fraud and theft after a software error, which would have been obvious to anyone who's ever turned up at a post office with more than three parcels to send. Anyone who gets furious at that level of admin is never going to have the patience for being a criminal mastermind. MI5 warns that foreign spies may be using LinkedIn to steal business secrets. But so far, all they've actually learned is just how many of your old schoolmates are now elbow deep in some bullshit multi-level marketing scam. You're not a businesswoman, Stacey. You've just got a garage full of Herbalife shit you're never going to sell. The Prime Minister outlines ambitious plans for Brits to treat Covid at home with just two tablets by autumn. It's an area he does have some expertise in, but normally when Boris Johnson is trying to get women to take two pills, it's because he couldn't be bothered to put a condom on the night before. And finally, Caitlyn Jenner files paperwork to run for Governor of California, with Republicans hoping to rely on her experience of running the sort of dangerous race that smashes her opponents into oncoming traffic. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. 
It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar. <laughs> 